You're listening to the Turn Again Ministries podcast with evangelist Aaron Pratt. Turn Again Ministries is based out of Fellowship Baptist Church in Clark Lake, Michigan, and is dedicated to bringing America back to its godly heritage. Let's prepare our hearts as evangelist Aaron Pratt brings forth God's word to us today. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Philemon. If you've found Hebrews, then you've gone a little bit too far. Philemon is the book right before the book of Hebrews. How many of you have ever remembered hearing preaching on the book of Philemon? Raise your hand. Okay, good. How many of you remember Pastor White's messages from years ago? This is probably a long time ago, right? On on the book of Philemon. I may be a little bit too loud. I'm echoing, right? I can hear my voice echoing back. So, a little bit too loud. Um, Philemon's a short book. It's one chapter. It's not the shortest book in the Bible. I think, isn't Third John probably the shortest book? Or Second John, maybe, possibly the shortest book. It's a book of uh, only 20, 25 verses. But contained, if you remember hearing messages in, in times past, contained in this book are doctrines after doctrines and principle after principle that we can draw out. And not even like digging deeper than the intention of the book, as sometimes uh, preachers sometimes have a habit of doing. But I mean the intentions of, of the verses found within Philemon. I mean, talking about principle after principle found within these uh, verses, Christian ethics, and found within these verses of Philemon, you find in doctrines. Well, uh, today we are going to, am I up still a little bit too loud? I'm okay? Okay. Sounds weird to me. Um, today we're going to not look at some of those big overriding doctrines that we find in the book of Philemon, but I'm going to do my best and avoid the temptation to go to places that I want to save possibly for another week. Today, we are going to go through and just do kind of an overview of the book of Philemon. There are certain phrases or certain principles that I want to kind of draw out, so I want to kind of go through it uh, verse by verse uh, as time allows. Before we begin, though, can anybody tell me what is the book of Philemon about? A runaway slave. And who, who wrote the book of Philemon? Paul. Where was Paul whenever he wrote the book of Philemon? He was in prison. He was in Rome, and he was in prison in Rome. And who is he writing the book of Philemon to? Philemon. And I know that sounds obvious, but it's not, you know, it's not always obvious. And who is this runaway slave? What's his name? Onesimus. Or if you want to read it for easier spelling, you can call him One Simus. Onesimus, One Simon. How many of you guys remember the commercial, 
years ago, every time I, I think of how this book is typically pronounced, I think of a commercial years ago, and this is back, I know some of you don't watch commercials, and that's a good thing, but I remember whenever I was younger hearing a commercial, commercial, and I'm asking you this because I can't remember what the commercial was, but the phrase, the music of it keeps going through my head. It, it sounds something like, Philemon. Nobody knows. That's it. What was that about? What was that? Come on. Oh. So this is the book of um, smelling good deodorant. All right. Praise the Lord. Glad we brought that out. You didn't realize you were going to come to church this morning and get good deep doctrine like deodorant. You didn't realize that was going to happen this morning, but it just did. Um, all right, so this is one of Paul's prison epistles. He has written a number of epistles or letters while he was in prison. And this was sent by, we find out early in the epistle, it was sent by the hand of a guy named Tychicus. I guess I'm pronouncing that right. It doesn't really matter. Tychicus is probably in heaven saying, no, it's blah, blah, blah. But, you know, we're going to butcher names all the time in the Bible. That's just the way that it is. And he sent this book by the hand of a Tychicus to uh, also with the book of Colossians. We can see that in scripture. He is delivering this book to the city of Colossae, which is where Philemon probably resides. Um, Philemon was a member of a church in Colossae. This is a there is a lot of similarities between the books of Ephesians and the books uh, and the book of Colossians. Um, however, Colossians identifies two great prevalent problems in this church. And we're not going to deal with this. I, I don't even honestly know where to go with this. But there's just two overall overriding uh, themes in Colossians that aren't necessarily present in Ephesians. And that is this touch not, taste not mentality, this Alexandrian form of asceticism where uh, Judaic observations of days and a way to, to gain merit with God. And we're going to talk, possibly touch a little bit on that a little bit later today. But um, there was in, in the church of Colossae, there was a sense of you had to observe the Judaic law in order to be right with God. And Paul Paul writes to them and exhorts them and says, hey, you know, one day one guy can esteem every day alike and another guy can esteem one day above the other. And, and let's just make sure that we're not causing our brothers to stumble. And then there is also a sense in the, the Church of Colossae, a sense of false mysticism. Um, we're not going to deal with that. Just thought I would throw that out there. Why is the book of Colossians, again, rele relevant to Philemon? Well, they were written pretty much at the same time. And they were sent by the same hands. Sent by the slave Onesimus and Tychicus. Delivered to both the church that was in Philemon's house, the church of Colossae. And also a personal letter sent to Philemon. We are going to deal with today, this and the, over the next few weeks. Which, by the way, some of you guys are wondering why I'm up here um, Brother Isaac is supposed to have Sunday school uh, for this month, but he's, he's run into a lot of uh, a really, really busy month, so he asked me to take it over, and I gladly accepted. So before we go any further, let's pause 
for a moment of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the scriptures. Lord, we thank you so much for your inspired word. We thank you for including in your inspired word this, this letter to Philemon. Lord, I just ask that you would give me the wisdom to say the things that I ought to say in the spirit that I ought to say them and to avoid saying things that I shouldn't say this morning, Lord. I pray that you would uh, give attentive ears, Lord. I pray that you would fill me with your spirit, Lord, and give open hearts this morning so that the hearers would hear what you would have them to hear this morning, Lord. I just pray that you would touch this morning's Sunday school uh, moments, Lord, uh, that we would, be, we would be changed and transformed into the image of Christ a little bit more this morning. We pray for these things in your name. Amen. All right, let's go ahead and read through uh, just 25 verses. Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, and to Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer, and to our beloved Aphia and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in thy house, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God, making mention of thee always in my prayers, hearing of thy love and faith which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in thy love, because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. Wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee that which is convenient, yet for love's sake I rather beseech thee, being such an one as Paul the aged and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds, which in time past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me, whom I have sent again, thou therefore receive him, that is, mine own bowels, whom I would have returned with me, that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel, but without thy mind would I do nothing, that thy benefit should not be as it were of necessity, but willingly." For perhaps he therefore departed for a season that thou shouldest receive him forever. Now, not now as a servant, but above a servant, a brother beloved, especially to me, but how much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord? If thou count me therefore a partner, receive him as, the, as myself. If he hath wronged thee or oweth thee aught, put that on mine account. I, Paul, have written it with mine own hand. I will repay it, albeit I do not say to thee how thou owest unto me even thine own self besides. Yea, brother, let me have joy of thee in the Lord. Refresh my bowels in the Lord. Having confidence in thy obedience, I wrote unto thee, knowing that thou wilt also do more than I say. But withal prepare me also a lodging, for I trust that through your prayers I shall be given unto you. There salute Apropos, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, Marcus, Aristarchus, Damas, Lucas, my fellow laborers, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. We start out with this book with a general overview, understanding, as you've already indicated to me, you get this. But let me just give you a, a general overview of this book. Again, this is written from a prison in Rome. Paul is writing, writing to a very wealthy man named Philemon, a man who's so wealthy that he has a church in his own house. He has a slave who has now run away, run all the way to Rome. Requires a boat ride to get there. And he finds Paul and he runs into Timothy, Paul in prison. And 
this runaway slave who had ran away from his master, there's indication here that possibly he had stolen from Philemon. That Onesimus had stolen something from Philemon. And so he runs away, and he runs away to Rome. And somehow, we don't know how, he runs into uh, Paul in prison. And Paul, the Bible says, he, that Paul says he, he had begotten Onesimus in his own bonds. That is, while he was in prison, he led Onesimus to the Lord. And during this time, Onesimus had, had become profitable to Paul. He had been a, a help to Paul. He had provided Paul with, I guess, different things and different services to Paul while he was in prison. And Paul's writing to Philemon, a man that he knew very well, a beloved brother, the Bible says, a man who Paul had, had labored with him as, as Philemon had a church in his own house. Paul writes to him and says, I want you, I'm sending back your slave because it's not right for me to keep this slave. He's your slave, he's not my slave. It would be wrong for me to take something that's yours. So I'm sending him back to you and I want you to receive him. I want you to not hold anything against him. I want you to receive him as my own self. And, and if he's taken anything from you and you want it restored to you, rest assured, I will restore it to you. Paul says, I'm, I'm laboring this point to you out of love, but I'm telling you, I, I, I need not tell you, he says, that you owe me a whole lot more than accepting this slave. After all, I am also your father. I begotten you through the gospel of Jesus Christ. You are only saved because of my preaching of the word of God. And add to that, I also have apostolic authority. And then Paul closes the letter and says, but I don't think we would need to go that far. Philemon, you'll accept this because I, I know your character. I know that you will accept him. And by the way, continue praying for me that I, I, will, I will eventually be delivered from prison. And then he ends the letter by saluting several names of several people. Well, we have here in this over-general view of what's going on here, we can first observe the providence of God. We have a man who stole from his master and ran to one of the busiest cities in the world at this time, the city of Rome, thinking that surely as, as, a, as a man who ran away, and stole from his master that I could be punished greatly, possibly even be killed for this, for this crime that I committed against my master. So I need to find a way to disappear. And he tries to disappear in this city of Rome. But he finds himself running into Paul. Paul the apostle. Paul the preacher of Jesus Christ. The preacher of the gospel. I'm sure that Onesimus never, I'm sure that Onesimus never imagined having to run into Paul. He knew Paul. He was, Paul helped conduct church services inside of Philemon's house. Just imagine, you are trying to run from your sin. You're trying to hide from God. You're trying to hide from the world. You're trying to hide from those that would keep you accountable for the sins that you've committed. But then you just so happen, just so happen, as, as, as the Bible puts it in the book of Ruth, this, this thing of happen chance, just so happen to run into the very man that you saw preach the gospel 
in your master's house. And with, with Timothy with him as well. The providence of God. What we can then draw, what we can mine out of this is that we need to understand that God's hand of providence is inside even what we would consider the very minute details of life. You and I, we go to Meyer, we go to Walmart, we go to Menards, and, and we never even think of our overall purpose in life. We never even think of the ways in which God could actually use us there not just to purchase groceries and to purchase goods, but the ways in which God could actually use us there. Paul wasn't sitting in prison thinking, well, I just got to bide my time until I get out. No, no, no. He was understanding that he was in that place to be used of the Lord. He called himself a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Not a prisoner of Rome, not a prisoner of the world, not a prisoner of Satan, a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Paul, understanding that the hand of God, the sovereignty of God is, is, is fluid and, and is entangled in, in all the affairs of life, even those things that we would consider minor, we, we can take from this, we can mine from this, we can draw from this to live our lives with purpose. Understanding that there is a purpose when we go to the gas station, not just getting gas. That there is a purpose when we walk inside Walmart, not just picking up milk. If you do that kind of thing and go to Walmart, there's a, there's, a, there's a reason. There's a reason. We as Christians need to be mindful to not just be filled with the Spirit while we're doing Christian activities. Not just be filled with the Spirit after we do our devotions in the morning. But filled, not, not look at certain tasks of our lives as something that's insignificant, but understanding that there's a great significance in every aspect of our lives. This Onesimus, this escaped slave, found this out very well. How in the world does he run into Paul? He's trying to hide from the world. How in the world does he run into Paul? There was a purpose there, the providence of God. The providence of God looked down and said, I see this runaway slave. I love him. I died for him. And I want him to meet me in heaven someday. We grasp the providence of God not considering certain things in our lives as just menial, as just everyday tasks, but, but trying to get in a mindset where everything in our lives are important. God, Paul exhorted to whatsoever you do, whether you, therefore you eat or drink, whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. This is not something that we just find randomly in Scripture. This is God's providence. God's hand of providence is found all throughout Scripture. And we are exhorted even directly that whatever we do in life, we are to do all to the glory of God. And we do that. We become more in that mindset. We will then become more usable in our lives by God than we ever have before. We go on to uh, verse 2. 
and to our beloved Aphia and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in thy house. I want to just make a comment. Like I said, we're just we're doing an overview, and I'm going to draw things out here and there. And there's not an overall theme except to just just bring a little exposition to the to the book of Philemon and and bring out a few things that kind of stand out to me. There's been a trend in America for years and years and years that the right kind of church is a house church because we see that in scripture. The church that is in thy house. Now there are certain places like China where that is the right kind of church. And in fact, the first two, three hundred years of Christianity, that's where they meant they didn't have church buildings. They meant in someone's house. And I bring that forth to share with you that that a house church isn't where we stay home as a family and listen to a message online. That is not a church. A church is something, an organization that Jesus Christ died for. A church is something where, where the, the purpose of it is to reach out with evangelism and disciple those who are saved. That is the purpose of a church. This let's meet as a family inside of our own homes. There is no doctrine of that inside the Bible. When Paul says the church that is in thy house, he doesn't say the, ch- the church you are playing in your house, the church you are having in your, in your house. He is calling it a church inside your house. Maybe it was called the Church of Colossae. Maybe it was called Fellowship Baptist Church. I'm joking there. Don't take me out of context there. Maybe it had a name, but it was, maybe it didn't have a name at all, but it was actually a church. Not where dad and mom did a devotional for the kids. That's, that is not church. That's having a devotional. We see here that We understand from these verses that then Philemon was a very wealthy man to be a man where you can open up your home and your home is big enough to have a church inside of your home. We see here a, and we draw from this, a principle of stewardship. Every one of us sitting here has been blessed with something, material or otherwise. Every one of us have in comparison to the world's standards, have been blessed immensely materially. You and I, we don't really know what true poverty is. We live in the United States of America. We are insanely blessed with the availability of goods and the ease to make money. That's not like that everywhere in the world. So regardless of how you compare yourselves to other standards of what is wealthy and what is not, whether you compare yourself to this Philemon who in his day and age was a wealthy man, or whether you compare yourself to this day and age, whether or not you are wealthy, you have something. You have something to give to the Lord. Give to the Lord. Be like Philemon. Open your house like Philemon, to help brothers and sisters in need, to reach out to the lost and dying world. Use your material possessions 
to bless brothers and sisters in Christ and to reach out to a lost and dying world. You don't have to give a whole lot. Just give what the Lord lays on your heart. None of this comparing ourselves to those who have so much greater than us. Just bless the people of God and this lost and dying world. Use proper stewardship of what God has given you. We see here mentioned Aphia. Again, I'm just drawing things out here and there. Aphia. It's mentioned that this is probably Philemon's wife. And what I would like to mention from this is that we, we have a tendency sometimes in the ministry to look at a, a missionary, a pastor, and to see that everything makes or breaks on the pastor or missionary, understanding that it's all about being in Christ. It's all about the work accomplished through the man of God. But, but we put so much on the man of God. I love that Paul, on several occasions, mentions women in Scripture. The importance of women in Scripture. A woman, a missionary's wife, a pastor's wife, an evangelist's wife, is so incredibly important to the work of the ministry. If Philemon did not have a wife named Aphia, who, who was mentioned by Paul, if he did not have a wife that was willing to open up her home for the cause of the gospel, then there would be no church that we see mentioned in Scripture in the house of Philemon. You see, this is so incredibly important. We need to understand and we need to be in continual prayer when we pray for our missionaries, when we pray for our evangelists, and when we pray for our pastors, that we make sure that we are also praying for their wives and their families. Because if a man of God, if his, if his wife fails, if his wife falls, he's out of the ministry. If his family breaks apart and falls apart, he's out of the ministry. I love that Paul mentions this lady, Aphia. He also mentions another uh, man, Archippus, whose name literally means horse master. He's definitely a worker in the ministry. They suppose that maybe he was Philemon's son. I don't know. I don't know that that is important. But what is important is that his name means horse master, and he's called, in verse 2, a fellow soldier. Imagine being this man who is a laborer inside of, laborer in the church inside of Philemon's home, and being mentioned by the apostle Paul, the aged Apostle Paul, the man who had on more than one occasion been imprisoned for the cause of the gospel. A man who, who had turned the world upside down for Christ. You get your name mentioned by Paul? And not only that, he calls you a fellow soldier? The greatest commander in the, in the Christian army the world has ever known, the Apostle Paul, calls you his fellow soldier? 
And what we can draw from that is that there is not one of us, no matter what perception we, we, we perceive on this great work of the, the Great Commission and the discipling of the saved in our churches and the building up of the church, no matter what we perceive, in the eyes of God, each and every one of us is important and not, not a single one of us is, in, is, is, is indispensable. Paul wasn't so high and lofty on, his, on himself to think of himself as indispensable. He didn't say, oh, I'm the Apostle Paul. I turned the world upside down for Christ. And you, you uh, Archippus, you are beneath me. No, no, no. He said, we're fellow soldiers. We're together in this thing. You and I, all of us coming together for the work of the cause of the gospel, for the glory of God, we are fellow soldiers. Soldiers. We see here in verses 3 and 4, Paul saying what he often says in his letters and his epistles, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God making mention of thee always in my prayers. We see that Paul has a ministry of prayer and Paul continually gives thanks. I am astounded how many times Paul says, I am continual in my prayers. I pray for you without ceasing. This is Paul who, who planted church after church after church, who was not just planting churches, but was also having a vocation, an occupation, making tents. I don't know how he found time to pray like he did, but he did. Paul was a man of prayer. And let that convict us that there's not a single one of us that has an excuse to not have a ministry of prayer. Paul, you, you are not any more busy than Paul, and if you are, you are simply too busy. We see here in verses 8 and 9, Or for though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee that which is convenient, yet for love's sake I'd rather beseech thee, being such a one as Paul the age, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ, we see in the verses following, he gives the purpose for the letter. You know, if you can imagine being Philemon, you're reading this letter, and you're seeing these things, you're seeing Paul greet you, and you're seeing Paul, Paul compliment you, and you're seeing Paul compliment those who are, who are helping out with the cause of the church that's inside your home, and then he gets to the point. We've already uncovered his point, we've already discussed his point, and so we won't go into detail there, but We can see, I'm going to skip a few things here. We can see, Paul uses the word enjoin. I'm just going to simply define that word in verse uh, 8. He uses the word enjoin. If you look in the Webster's Dictionary, it's a pressing admonition with authority. It is a, with a sense of, of command. To order or direct with urgency. To admonish or instruct with authority to command. Paul is saying, I enjoin thee, I command you with a sense of urgency like this is something that needs to be done now when you read this, when you receive this letter, with Onesimus standing by your side, this is something you need to follow this, you need to obey this now. And then he uses the word convenient. Often we consider the word convenient, oh, whatever is convenient for you, oh, let's go to the convenience store, something that's easy, something 
something that is a fast track. And if we think about the word convenient, we can get the understanding and our modern usage of the word convenient that, like Paul means here, it's something fit. It's something suitable. It's something proper. It's something adapted to use for once. It's something that's commodious. Paul is saying, I'm preaching to you. I am commanding you. I am with authority imploring you, telling you to do that which is suitable. To do that which is the right thing to do. And then Paul goes on and begins to exhort Philemon. Now, often we get the term, the ministry of exhortation, a little bit confused, the gift of exhortation confused. And there's no problem with using this word, but we often use the word the gift of encouragement. And so we think that encouragement is always something that's of a positive nature. And in a sense it is, but the gift of exhortation is a gift to encourage you to follow the Lord. If you're off track, to say, hey, you're off track, come and follow the Lord on this track. And if you're on track, to encourage them to keep going, keep pressing on. And so Paul then exhorts him, showing a true friendship. A true friendship. You see, this is Paul's friend, Philemon. This is Paul's good friend. He calls him dearly beloved. Now, I have some friends, but I don't know that I would call them to their face dearly beloved uh, on too many occasions. But Paul calls him my dearly beloved friend. And then he begins to tell him what he needs to do. And from this, we can draw a sense that, of what true friendship is. You see, true friendship doesn't allow a brother or a sister, a friend, to continue on into something that is wrong. A true brother, a true friend, would not allow this man Philemon to go on in an unforgiving attitude toward his servant Onesimus. He would not allow him to then put in roots of bitterness inside of his own heart. You see, you and I, we have friends, and so often we're afraid to exhort them in what is the right thing to do in life. And if that's the way that you conduct your life, you're not a very good friend. You see, true friendship is somebody who's not afraid to step out and tell somebody the right path that they should be on if they see a problem in the spirit of meekness and love. Paul doesn't hesitate in, in this place to, to exhort Philemon to forgive his slave who had run away and stolen from him. And he uses the term in the, in the verses that we see here, for love's sake. For the sake of love. Oh, Onesimus has done wrong to you, Philemon. Philemon, you're within every right to bring down authority and condemnation on him, but for love's sake. For love's sake, forgive him. Love covers a multitude of sins.
We see in verse 10 that Paul mentions that he is begotten in my bonds. Onesimus is a born-again child of God. And he looked at him as a son. He calls him my son. What we can draw from this is that in our modern-day churches, we have a problem with discipleship. We are not discipling Christians like we ought to be discipling Christians. And this is something that's not just the duty of the pastor or the Sunday school teacher from the pulpit. This is the duty of each and every one of us ought to see it as our duty to reach out to others to help with the cause of discipleship. We wonder wonder why we're stagnant and not growing. Why our brothers and sisters are stagnant and not growing. Because, you know, you and I, we are so easy to point our fingers and be critical of how other people are walking, aren't we? So easy for us to see that, but you and I, we just complain and murmur about these things, but we never go and actually do something about it by helping our brothers and sisters for the cause of Christ. Paul said, this is my son. A father to a son cares for his son. He has a relationship with his son to bring him up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, to bring him up in the faith of the gospel. Discipleship. And we see Paul pleading with Philemon. He says, my own bowels, with all the love and everything that is in me, I plead with you in my own bowels to receive him in my stead. We see in verse 14, he says, but without thy mind, I would not allow him to continue to serve me in this capacity because he's not mine. And from this, I think we can draw a principle that I'm just going to touch on real quickly. That is that there are certain, certain areas of authority. Paul did not, even as an apostle, he did not have the authority to take the slave and be right to take the slave from Philemon. He didn't have the authority to do that. And you and I need to understand that there are certain authorities, there are parental authorities, there are pastoral authorities that we need to submit to, and we need to not cross those, those boundaries. I love that we have a pastor who is not willing to cross those boundaries with other members that come from other churches. You simply are not allowed to join this church unless you receive the blessing from another pastor. This is the right thing to do. This is Christian ethics that we find within these scriptures here. We see in verse 15 that he is mentioned as departing for a season. For a season. And in a sense, Onesimus is a servant who, who is a little bit like a prodigal son. He's a, he wasn't saved at the time that he departed, but he departed for a season. You and I, each and every one of us, we all know someone in our lives that have departed from the Lord. And we have this tendency to go and be worrisome about it. We have this tendency to go and, and fret about it. To plead with God as if he doesn't care more than you care. Some of you have children that have run away from the Lord. 
I, can, I, I simply cannot imagine what that would be like. But I do know that there's a principle throughout Scripture that shows us that God's love is way deeper, way higher, way, way impactful, way meaningful than you and I could ever have the possibility to comprehend that kind of love. And so don't think for a moment that you love your child more than God does. You see what God does in this situation? He brings this Onesimus, this wayward servant, he brings him to the place where he would hear the gospel preach and be restored again. You need to understand that those wayward people that you have in your life, brother, sister, friends, children, those wayward people that you have in your life, that though it may not seem so, God is working in their lives to bring them to repentance because his will is always to bring someone to repentance. That's all that we have time for this morning. Um, I ask that you pray for me. This book, there's just, as you can see, there's just way too much in this book to do in four weeks. Uh, I skipped a bunch there, and I had a bunch more, obviously, to do. And I don't know whether or not I will come back to that next week. So I ask you to pray for me that I would have the wisdom of the Lord. Uh, In fact, this morning, I was going to go in a completely different direction, completely turned it upside down and changed it. So just pray for me that I would have wisdom. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org, where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where you can see what's happening happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.